my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. I am. I am. What it says I am. What it says I am. I can do. I can do. What it says I can. What it says I can. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And not a doubter. And not a doubter. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. And not just a hearer. And not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. I know that. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by. And hearing by. The word of God. The word of God. Amen. 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 Let's give them a hand clap of praise. Amen. Thanks, Sister Zontel and all of those who work with the youth to prepare them for our statement of faith. They do a great job. Amen. 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 Well, while you're standing, if you have your Bibles or your app on your phone, we've been in the scripture of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 and 26. 25 and 26. You'll find these words says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise great authority over them. Yet, somebody say, Yeah. He says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires, somebody say, Whoever. That means you. Whoever desires to be, become great among you, let him be your servant. Amen? Amen? Let him be your servant. You may be seated. But this is going to be our uh, second sermon in our series that we have kind of connected to our theme uh, of the year, the year of great stewardship. And uh, we've subtopic this uh, series a little bit down the line. Serve your way to greatness. And we say serve means to wait upon. Somebody say to wait upon. It means to care for. Somebody say to care for. So sometimes when you serve people, you're going to have to wait on them and care for them. It means to perform duties or services for another. Service is not always about you. It's about somebody else. Amen? And it's ministry done for God's glory and the benefit of others. Now greatness in the kingdom of heaven consist in doing, somebody say doing, doing rather than just being, and specifically in doing for others rather than being concerned just about yourself. I talk, shared with you last week that one of Dr. King's uh, favorite statements was, you know, uh, when he once said that anyone can be great because anyone can serve. And I, I believe that Dr. King didn't mean only occupying a service position in life, but he rather meant having a, an attitude of life that freely attends to the needs of others without expecting or demanding anything in return, regardless of your title, regardless of your position, regardless of your not having a title or a position in life or in the church. So service can come from anybody, from the highest to the lowest. But it's even more impactful when the, those that are in high position humble themselves, and serve. Amen? Now, Jesus uh, did not condemn the desire to improve your position or station in life, but he did teach that greatness in his kingdom was not determined by status, but by service. Amen? Now, today, we got one turn pretty lengthy, but I think we're going to get through it in a reasonable amount of time. Go to the book of Luke, and let me set this up. Luke chapter 10. And I read this from the New Living Translation when I start reading. 
And so we're going to be dealing with Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. This is where we find Jesus telling a story of the, uh, the Good Samaritan. And out of all the parables that Jesus taught, the Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Sons are probably the most two popular ones that uh, are recorded. And, and in this story, I want you to see that, that good stewards can serve their way to greatness when they exemplify neighborliness by showing mercy to those who are in need. See, if you want to pass the service test, as the Lord bless you with the abilities and the means, you must show mercy to those who are truly in need. Amen? Now, now clearly we see uh, in this parable that Jesus uses the, uh, he kind of used this parable to check a young self-righteous religious teacher of the law whose intent was to test Jesus when he asked him a question about eternal life. Now, Jesus answers his question with two questions. We're going to look at that. That drives him to answer his own question. You know, sometimes it's good to answer people who ask you a question with a question. Because the more they talk and the more they explain and expound, sometimes they'll come to their own conclusion. Jesus even gave him credit for answering rightly. But instead of quitting while he was ahead, he allowed his self-righteous religious spirit to lead him to ask another question, causing Jesus to take him to school with this parable. Now, now first we're going to see that his question clearly identifies the highest and most important commandment and how we must obey this commandment with our whole being. Somebody say our whole being. Somebody say whole being again. In other words, with all your faculties, you must put all of your emotions, your spiritual, your mental, and your physical power into this command. This is a command that you cannot just carry out half-heartedly. Amen? Are you all in uh, Luke 10, 25? Let me just kind of, is it all right if I just use some you know, spiritual liberties as we work our way through this parable to try to make it relevant to where you are today. Because a lot of times we just look at it from the standpoint of when it was written, we don't see ourselves in the story. And so somewhere in this story, we got to find ourselves. Amen? Now, now, it says one day, an expert. Somebody say an expert. I mean, that's someone who got a certain level of knowledge about a particular subject. So an expert in religious law. See, in the military, I heard this term, people use SME. SME. I guess that's a subject matter expert. And so some of you are considered experts on your job. Now, you may not know everything about your job, but when people come to you for advice or how to get something done, you have a certain level of expertise in that area. Amen? And so don't sell yourself short. You don't need to have a Ph.D., to be a SME. Amen. I know a lot about football, and I've never been to college to learn that, but I've learned it through reading other people's writings and then applying them while I was coaching. So to a certain degree, I may not be as good as Nick Nick, but I know a little bit about football. 
that when I'm looking at a game, I can say, man, that's the wrong defense for that occasion. Because I do consider myself a subject matter expert. Robin and Bacon, I'm pretty sure you see yourself as a, yeah, a Smee. But this guy was a Smee in religious matters. And the Bible says he stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, giving Jesus some respect, another way of saying rabbi, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. What should I do in order to live forever? What do I do to, in order to be saved based upon the sacrifice that Jesus made for us? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? See, the Jewish Pharisees, they believed in this concept of eternal life. So he was asking the question, do I need to do something to achieve that? Now, Jesus replied, he didn't answer for him. He just said, what does the law of Moses say? And the other question was, how do you read it? Because if you know what the law of Moses say, then that's the answer, but it's important how you interpret what the law says. See, you come in here to church and you listen to the word that's going forth and you hear the word and you know what the Bible is saying, but how you interpret what that means to you will determine whether or not you're going to apply it in your life. So it's important for you to not only get an understanding, but you need to understand with the intent, how do I interpret this parable? How, how do I see this playing out in my life? Because if I don't interpret it the right way for me, then I'm not going to do anything with it. Y'all follow me so far? Two questions. What does the law of Moses say? Driving him back to Deuteronomy. And how do you read it? Now look at the man's answer. And he give a, a comprehensive answer because he give a comprehensive definition of what God expects from us when it comes to love. Somebody say love. Now look what he says. He says, now look. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all. Somebody say with all. In front of all these is the word all. You got to see that God don't want part of you. He won't. He don't want you coming to him half-heartedly. He wants you to be wholeheartedly devoted to him. So in answering this question, the, 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 the young educator said, you must love the Lord with all your heart. Somebody say your heart. See, when you think about your heart being in love with God, think about this. Your heart is your affections, your feelings. You know, I hear the young people say, folks, get in their feelings today. She's in her feelings. And I'm here to tell you those same feelings that you get in, you got to save some space in there for God. You got to get in your feelings when you're dealing with God. Amen. That, that means that you got to feel something. Your emotions got to be connected to God because if your emotions are not connected to him, you're not going to feel anything when his word is coming, when he's speaking to you. And I'm telling you, hey, if you love him, you better feel. In your heart, you got to feel something. Say, I got to feel something. Ain't nothing wrong with coming to church every now and then and feeling something. 
because you have an affection for God. And so therefore he says, now look, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Then he says, with all your that's that spiritual part of you because the word soul there and spirit is used synonymously in the Bible most of the time. It's that part of you that God breathed into Adam. He's saying, now look, you got to love God with your soul. I mean, you got to get deep. His, this love for God got to get deep down in you. It can't be a superficial love where you only love him sometime, but you don't feel him and you don't have him in your heart all the time. He's trying to answer the question. Then he says you got to love him with your strength. Somebody say your strength. Strength is talking about your ability, your power, your vigorous effort. You got to put some effort into loving God. Y'all better say amen right there. Don't make me stop right there. I'm trying to read on because I want to finish this. He said, now look, you, you got to put your strength into this thing. The young people call that energy. You know, people, I, I can feel your inner. Well, that same thing that they say they see your energy and your effort, you ought to see that when it comes to loving. Oh, I know it's going to get tough right here. But I can see the, the young, you know, Smee, he feeling pretty good. Because that's in the law. And I've been keeping the law. So, and then he says you got to love God with all your... Meaning that your deep thoughts got to be in love with God. You can't just entertain anything when you're in your deep thought process. Because your thoughts are in... And I know this is going over some of y'all here. Look here. Well, then let me call it your deep meditation time. When you're sitting in your closet or in your dark space and you're just listening, your meditation got to be in love with your mind. So he says your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. And what we see in here is that, look, God wants all of us. He wants our whole being to be in love with him. Amen. He don't have no problem with you loving others, but you just can't love them more than you love. But guess what? If you put this level of love into the people that you say you love, relationship would be better. If you love your children with all your heart, if you put your soul into your children, if you put your strength towards your children's efforts, and if you keep your mind on your children and their well-being, how they are doing, then guess what? You will love your children the same way that you're supposed to love. You can substitute wife there. You can substitute your job there. Some of y'all go to jobs you don't even love. I know it's going to get quiet right there. Let me read on. I told you I got to make it relevant. I mean, if you're going to go somewhere every day, you ought to. What do you say? All your what? heart? Y'all say somebody say heart. All your soul, all your strength, and all your That's all of you. And then he comes back and say, love your as yourself. So in that, I kind of see the three dimensions of love. You got to love 
in height, which is mean that I got to love upward to God. I got to love in width. That means I got to love outward to you. But to the same degree that I love you, I got to have some depth. And I got to love myself. If I don't have no depth in how much I love me, I ain't going to treat you right. Because I'm not going to treat you better than I treat my... Y'all better hear me today. And so a lot of times the reason folk mistreat others is because they don't love them. There's nothing wrong with a good dose of self-love as long as you keep God first. And see, this love and this neighbor and this thing that he's talking about here, we say, love your neighbor to the same degree as you love your... And what that meant is that, look, you would not have a narrow and superficial, a superficial version or vision of how God wants you to love your neighbor. And also, this will keep you from narrowing down your neighbor to just the folk that love you. And, and what we're going to see here is that that was the problem that Jesus is going to have to address is because the Jews narrowly defined it neighbor. They didn't, that didn't include nobody that didn't look like them or came from their same nationality. Didn't include them. So, you know, Jesus went to Father when he was talking to the Pharisees, said, you got to love your enemy. Man, they couldn't handle that. Because they didn't see their enemies as their, as their neighbor. And so, therefore, they treat their enemies in a way that they wouldn't treat them. Y'all follow me so far today? So he says now in verse 28, Jesus said with exclamation in this translation, right. Man, he said, you got it right, man. You nailed it. You, you, you got all the answers to the test, man. You got it. You got it. And you know, sometimes when you don't did all right and you got all the answers to the test, why press the issue? Couples, when you don't already got all the answers that you want, wife, husband, children, whoever, leave that other question alone. If you don't already got all the answers and you answered them yourself, Yourself, why do you need to ask another question? Something inside of you just won't let it. You are already right. All you have to do is just leave it up. But you want to justify your position one more. And instead of leaving that alone, you got now you need a story. Amen. I, I know y'all don't want to hear that. Let me get back to the man. And he said, now Jesus said, right. You got it right. Jesus told him. And then he came back and said, do this and you will live. Do this. Not just know this. You answer right in the classroom. You got all the answers. Now you got to go out and do what you said. There got to be an application. You come here on Sunday and you get education, but then as soon as you leave here, you're supposed to start out applying it. 
You got to go from education to application. And until you start applying and start living it, nobody's going to know how well you have been educated. Because most folks ain't going to believe your words. Your actions will speak much. So look at verse 29. The man wanted to justify. Somebody said justify. Justify his action. So he asked Jesus another question. And who is my neighbor? He already know in his mind who he called his, his, considered his neighbor, but I'm pretty sure Jesus already knew that too. So Jesus did not run away from his question. And I want to challenge some of you, man. Sometimes y'all don't like folks to ask y'all a question, but man, don't run away from questions. Every question got an answer. You know, sometimes people ask me questions. I don't mind answering, but you know, I got to tone down sometimes. I get excited when I got to give you the answer. Because I'm going to put my feelings into it. I'm going to put my emotions into it when I give you the answer. Especially if it's sub-important. You're going to know that I know what I'm talking about. Now you know that before you even ask me to. So knowing that, then it's important that when we get to an answer that you agree with, don't ask another question just to justify you. You won. You were ahead. But you can't accept that. So you ask another question. And I'm kind of bad at telling stories. I got to learn from Jesus when it comes to telling these little nice stories to help people come to the answer that they're looking for. I need some work on that, so y'all pray for me. Hey, man, I'm, I'm going to get better at the storytelling part. So now look at this. Y'all getting real, real quiet right there. Y'all don't, don't y'all think too hard right there. Let's just get to the rest of the story. Look at this. So he asked that question, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus replied, verse 30, with a story. Now look at this. He says, a Jewish man, somebody say a Jewish man. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside of the road. See, what I see in that is, is a brutal mugging. That wasn't just robbery. You know, because sometimes you can rob a person and don't beat them. You just take what they got. But anytime you rob them and beat them, that's a mugging. Amen. <laughs> and sometimes folks will do the opposite. They'll beat you and don't take nothing. But these folks wanted to beat the man, and they took his stuff. You know, kind of like in one of those tough neighborhoods. You know, when you go to certain cities, you better know what street to walk down, because boy, hey, you may get mugged coming off the subway. You better walk off that subway with all your eyes open, and your ears, your head on the swivel. Because you may be the victim of a mugging. Now, this man was traveling you know, on a highway that was commonly used. And while he was on that highway, you know, he was attacked. The, the Bible, uh, the scholars say 
this was a winding highway, winding road, and it was easy for people to hide and then come along and take advantage of someone that is not suspecting. See, life can be winding sometimes. And when you're walking through life too carefree, not paying attention to where you are and what's going on around you, something or somebody can just come up and mug you. And then now you left in a situation where you think it's hopeless. And I want to encourage you, as you continue to walk this life and journey through this life, be alert, be wise, pay attention to what's going on. Amen. So he was traveling on a trip. The Bible says he was from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was attacked. Stripped. You know, I looked at that strip a little bit different sometimes. I think about, you know, sometimes people can strip you of your dignity. Just, just stripped of his clothes. You know, when you take somebody's clothes off them, that's dignity. And then to just leave them. You know, there are some people that we know, and some of us may have even been there, but some people left us for half they ain't going to never change. They ain't going to never get saved. They ain't going to never accept Jesus. We might as well just give up on him. Give up on her. Because they just have dead. Not even worth my time. Not even worth the effort to go to him and witness to him again. They just have I believe that's what these religious leaders was thinking when they saw what had happened and had no compassion on the man. Now look at this. So we know the story. He'd been beat. Then the Bible says in verse 31, by chance, somebody say by chance. What we see in this by chance is a, a, a blatant disregard for humanity. There are some people that put no value on human life. And they could care less what happened to people in this world. And so he says, by chance, a priest, somebody say a priest. And, and so that I don't just pick somebody who may be offended, I'll use myself. But Bolden is the priest in this scenario, right? Somebody got to be the temple assistant. So if I just, your name just drop into my mind, I use you as a temple assistant, don't take it personal. I just need an explanation because I'm trying to make this plain. Is it all right? So it says, by chance, a priest came along, a religious person. You would think that when someone is in need, the first people that ought to want to do something about it is religious. Religious folk. But sometimes religious folk can be your worst enemy. By chance, a priest, someone who would learn, someone who understood the law, someone who knew what neighbor was supposed to be. And seeing a neighbor in that condition, he was supposed to see him na his neighbor like he see him and he was supposed to say, that, hey, if I was in that position, I would hope someone would come along. Go ahead and help me with this thing. That's a song right there. Come see. A priest came along. But when he saw, somebody said when he saw. Now, priest Bolden comes along and he sees Fabian sitting over there laid out, bleeding. So, I don't, you know, I ain't got time for Fabian's problem. I got to get to striving. It's almost 10 o'clock. 
and they know they, they start on time and striving. So therefore, I'm going to take this shortcut. I'm going to go around Faith. I don't even want to get close enough to him. I don't want my conscience to come back and get it. I saw him land over there, but I ain't going over there to check him out at all. So I'm going to go by on the... See, sometimes people go by on the other side because you're not a priority. They're trying to get somewhere else, and they don't want to be in... Con... But I'm telling you, if you're going to be a good steward and a good servant, you're going to have to be in... Con... in order to serve the Lord. You just can't serve him at your convenience. But a priest came along, came along, but when he saw the man laying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. He passed up an opportunity to minister outside the temple. Probably in a hurry to get to the temple to put on the robe and put on all this stuff so that he could look very religious. He wanted to look the part, but he didn't want to be the part when it came to real life. You know, sometimes we can come to church, we want to put on all the apparel and all the stuff that make us look holy. But we ain't got no concern about anybody. And now we don't wear the religious apparel like we used to, but we, you know, we still come across with our Bibles in our hands, our apps on our phone to make folks think that we are very religious. You know, we are educated. We are smees. I done went through the striving. WDC and MDC, I'm a me. In striving, religious, education. But you see problems and you go the other way. Okay, let me move on to the next guy. Then a temple assistant, like a better term, maybe a deacon, somebody we call a deacon, another servant in the temple. Now this guy, the Bible says he walked over. So he didn't stand back here. He had faith. He, he walked over and got a closer look at you. He was a little curious. But when he saw all the blood and you weren't moving, he said, ain't no hope. He already gone. My, my boss went by the way. At least I came off. I was curious enough to take a look at him. And he looked like he's a donor. So ain't no need to be wasting no time with him. Triaging him and CPR him, all that. Let me just go on on the other side. You see, Jesus used two religious people to make his point to a religious man. And he's telling us as religious people, don't be like those two religious people. Go to striving every Sunday online, now religiously. You're smee. But are you applying what you're learning? Or are you walking by on the... Some of y'all see people calling you and you look at it, oh! I know who that is. I, I don't want to be inconvenienced right now. You're just walking by on the other side. You know, I don't got smart now. I can look at your text, read it, and then unread it. I didn't, I didn't always know that now. So now you can send me a text, read it, but I want you to know how to read it because I'm better to walk about on other. So I'm going to unread it. So in your mind, I never... 
Y'all better stop unreading folks that's sending you texting that got an issue or a problem that you can help them. I'm talking to y'all Temple of Sisters now. I was talking to the ministers in the first part of that, but now I'm talking to the Temple of Sisters, all the members here of this church and this ministry. You're the temple, and it's time out for you all going by on the, you're curious enough to go and take a look, but you went by on the, uh, I hope this making some sense to somebody, because I believe in making sense over sound. And now look at this. Then, verse 33, we see genuine compassion. Then a despised, somebody say despised. Now, the Bible could have made this point, and Jesus could have, without even using the word despised. All he had to do was say, then a Samaritan. But no, he said, then a what? I mean, the Jews had a strong dislike for the Sumerians. They, they disgusted them. They had a deep content. They had no feelings when it came to a Samaritan. And the reason was is because they saw Samaritans as half-breeds who used to be a part of Israel when the 12 tribes, but when the 10 tribes broke away and went north in Judah, uh, Judah and, and uh, Benjamin stayed together, the ten tribes started mingling with Babylonians and Assyrians and other folk. And so therefore, they produced people with some Jewish blood in them or Israel's blood in them, but they had some of that heathen blood too. And because they had that heathen blood in them and picked up some heathen practices, guess what? The Jews dis despised them. So Jesus talking to his folks. So he know he's trying to, you know, he's trying to speak to this Smee's heart. Because he was one of those Jews that probably despised. See, some of y'all despise some folk. Can I close out black history right here for a minute? You know, I know some folks done did something wrong to you. You done got red line, didn't get the job you wanted, cause the color of your skin. But that ain't no reason for you to despise. That's no reason for you to despise someone. And even if they despise you, can I just talk about the law in America for a little bit? See, back in the day, America classified people based on race versus nationality. So back in the day, because certain people were this spies, if you by chance had just one drop or one-eighth of that particular race, blood, in you, then you were classified as that. That's before we got all the other classification now. You know, they let you go beyond black and white. See, back in the old days, just black or, and if you had one drop of black blood in you, I don't care how good you could pass for white, you were still considered in America. Whereas in other countries, they don't care about your skin color, your shade, and all that. It's about your nationality. And so what I'm saying here is that the Jews had this, this problem. 
And so when Jesus addressed this, he says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt, somebody say felt, felt with the heart, compassion for him. Now, compassion is when you feel sorry for someone, but it goes greater than just feeling sorry. You got to do something to alleviate the pain. You got to do something to alleviate the suffering. So therefore, when you tell somebody, hey, I, I can feel you. I know where you're at. I'm feeling you. And you know I'm compassionate about your situation. But if you ain't doing nothing to help them, then you're not truly. You're just talking. And it's easier to talk than it is to do. So Jesus said, now look, this despised Samaritan, of all the people in the world that Jesus could have went and found in his story to help a Jew, he went and got a... You know, Jesus had that discourse with the woman at the well. Well, you know, he was revealing to her who she was. And you know, she knew how the Jews felt about them. I'm surprised you're even talking to me because you Jews have no dealings with us. Y'all don't deal with us at all, so why are you sitting here holding me a conversation? Because Jesus was a Jew by birth, but he had compassion because he was God in the flesh. And he saw the woman's need and knew that there was something he could do to help alleviate her suffering. And so what I'm trying to tell you, when God identifies a need to you in someone's life, if you have the ability, strength, and if you got the means to help them, then you should be compelled to have come. Oh, God. So he felt compassion for him. And now look, unlike the two religious leaders, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with his oil and wine and bandaged them. In other words, he took his own supplies that he had and used them to meet the needs of this man. Sometimes it will cost you something to help people who are in need. But the good thing is what it's going to cost you, you already got. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me right there. You already you just need to be compassionate enough to part with it to help somebody. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I know it's going to get tough right there because you don't realize that everything that you have belongs to God. That's what this, we just stewards over it, but it all belongs to... So the Samaritan soothed his wound. And that's what we got to learn when we're dealing with people in our religious mindset. We got to learn how to soothe the wounds of hurting people. It's easy to go and pour more salt into it. But they bleed. They already know that. They know they bleed. They know they done messed up. You don't need to go back and reinforce what they already. And see, sometimes I know for me when I'm dealing with my, my grandson, man, I, I debate because you know, you just feel compelled to say something. Or even when I'm dealing with my kids, just compel to say something. You just want to say, but I, 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 I 
you so. And I don't know why saying that make you feel so much better, but it shouldn't. I should just, I got to learn how to just bite the tongue and the lip and just keep it to my, they already know. So going over, he soothed this room with olive oil, which was a common medical use in, for medical situations, and wine. And wine because back then, the wine was more cleaner than the water. Amen. That's why I'm thinking one of the Gospels, I think uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, somebody said, hey man, you're a little sick, drink a little wine. Soothe your stomach. Don't drink the water. The water may make you sicker. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been overseas, but I was over in Turkey, and I got careless. And start drinking that water without putting Clorox in it first. And I almost died. I mean, I was in the hospital almost a month. Because some little parasite or something got in my system. They don't know to this day what it was. And I didn't even realize how sick I was until I went and read my medical records real close. But I got careless and started drinking that water and eating some of their food off base without checking it thoroughly. And so here he says, look, use oil and wine to bandage him up. Now look at this. And he bandaged him. Then he put the man on his own. Somebody say his own. His own donkey. Man, I got to start walking now. <laughs> it was all right long ago. I was riding, but I done came up on you, Major. And now you want the whip. You, you need the whip, man. <laughs> but that's going to inconvenience me. I got to stop and deal with you, and then all of a sudden I'll put you on mine. But the earth is the Lord, and the fullness thereof. So the donkey belonged to the Lord, even though you just stood. See, sometimes you're not going to help people in a true sense of the word compassion until you're willing to give up something you got. It's easy to talk a good game and go by on the other side, but it's difficult when you have to give up something to show true compassion. And when you start giving up something in your acts of compassion, that's when you start walking in greatness. You know, it would have been all right if you stopped right there, uh, you know. But the man had a need beyond bandages. So he put him on his donkey and took him to an inn. He needed a place to stay where he took care of him. Serving somebody that he know hate him. I'm a Samaritan and I know how this Jew feel about me. But in spite of me knowing how he feel about me, I still have an obligation to be a good neighbor. I still have an obligation to help him, to serve him, and to do for him what I can do based on my abilities. So he, he said he took care of him. See, every now and then, you may have to take care of somebody. And, and I know being a caretaker of someone who may be disabled, it's not easy. But if your heart is in the right place, God will give you the grace to do what you need to do.
But you got to have a servant spirit. You got to have a compassionate heart. You got to see someone else's need greater than your. Because to take care of somebody else is going to inconvenience you. Have to give up some of your time, some of your social time, your, your time on the internet, everywhere else. You got to give it up when you take care of somebody. Now look at this, verse 35. He says, he took him to the inn, took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Wow. So he had to spend his own money. And the dude done rolled my donkey. Now he want to dip into my stacks. You know what hotel room run today? This ain't Motel 8. You know, this, this is an expensive hotel here. But the man got a need. And you got the stacks to take care. What's more important? Your stacks or the man's need? Some of you think, hey, he ain't going to give me nothing back. I ain't going to never see this again. You're making greatness. You're on your way to greatness when you can give up something to help somebody. When you leave here, them stacks ain't going with you. Let me just leave that alone. So he says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher, maybe I only pay for a weekend. If you don't get, if you don't get better by the weekend, <laughs> come Monday. <laughs> come Monday, you're on your own. That's what most of us would say. You're going to put a limit on. Knowing you got the stack to take care of a little bit longer, you're going to put a limit. Got two days. You don't solve your problem and today, I'm moving on. Some people are going to cost you more than two days worth of your time. Some people may be an issue for you for your life. So he says now, if his bill runs higher, somebody say higher, than this, I will repay you the next time I'm here. Me know the traveler came through there often and he had enough relationship with whoever it was to own the inn to say, hey, look, put it on my bill. If he need more, if Major need more than two days, just put the rest of it on my bill and the next time I'm passing through on another trip, I'm going to pay his bill no matter how long he stays. And that's some serious compassion right there. Some of us got to get to that level where we can just say, just, just, Put it on my bill. Some of y'all got them kind of cards you can give your children and just say, just put it on my card, baby. I love you enough and see you got a need to just say, put it on my. Don't y'all sit here and try to play me. Some of y'all got them cards that's platinum, gold, and then the black card. 
The color of your card, tell me how much stacks you got, how many stacks you got. So the next time that your children need something, just give them the platinum card. I'm talking about they need it. I ain't talking about that you just out there. I'm talking about your children need it. Some of you all won't even help your children when they are in. Because you're thinking about your You need to tell them, put it on my account. I know it's going to get quiet right there. That wasn't even in my notes. I think the Holy Spirit was just dropping that on me right there because that wasn't in my notes right there because, you know, I'm one of those who can do that for my kids. And, then, you know, they talk to me, you, you better not give her that. You better not give her your card number. Girl. You, better not, you better not that. You know, dude. <laughs> but she's my child. She got a need. I got to give up the card. Number, date, security code, and all. You get to everybody else who you talk to on the phone, and you don't even know them. But then now when your child asks you for it, oh, what? <laughs> you give it up when you want something, but you won't give it up when someone else. Let me, I'm, 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 I'm almost through. I think if y'all was this young Smee, you probably getting the message right about now. You probably feeling like, wait a minute, this guy leads me somewhere, and he's gonna lead me into an answer that I'm gonna, I may be too proud to give. He says, I'll pay for it the next time I'm here. Then look at this self-convicting question. Jesus had a way of doing this. Now Jesus said, now, now which of these three would you say? was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits. Y'all ain't even been to seminary. You done heard the story. And you know, already know the end. You ain't even got to be deep. That's what I like about Jesus when he tells stories. You don't even have to be deep. This guy was deep. He didn't even need to be a smee to answer this. He just need to have common... Which one of the three do you think was a good neighbor. Based on the scripture that you gave me that was in the law that says do unto your neighbor as you do unto your... So I'm answering your question. But I used a story. Now I want you to tell me the answer to your own question. And you know, some people say based upon how he answered, you know... <laughs> he wouldn't even say the word Samaritan. Maybe he was just too proud for the pride to say it, pride, pride for the said, but nevertheless, Jesus made the point. And the point he's trying to make to us today is just like, you know, what the commercial is, State Farm, who is that, All State, State Farm, what like a good? Y'all see, y'all already know the little jingle to it. Why do you know that so easy? Because they have drilled that into your head for years and years and years. Like a good neighbor, stay farm. 
like a good neighbor. Adrian is like a good neighbor. Wilson is his. Like a good neighbor. Charlie is his. Like a good neighbor. And, I, and I'm talking to everybody sitting here. Y'all are good neighbors. And so what I want you to do, not just be a good neighbor in your head, but I want you to be a good neighbor in your actions. So if I say you're a good neighbor, you see yourself as a good neighbor, then when you leave here, you need to act. Like a good neighbor. How do I know? He said, now, Jesus asked that question. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. So he had enough sense to know that the first two guys that kind of went by on the other side and the one that came and looked over out of curiosity, that was not mercy and that was not compassion. So he understood that even though it hurt his heart to give that despised Samaria the credit for having mercy. He could not deny the facts. So he says, the one who showed him Mercy. And look what Jesus says. Then Jesus said, yes. In other words, I'm agreeing with you again. Don't ask me another question. I'm agreeing with you again. I agree with your answer. Then he says, now go and do. Brother Wilson, go and do. Go, now that you got the knowledge, but then now do something with it. Now and go and do like that Samaritan <laughs> and do the same. And so that's what God is trying to get us to do as we continue this year of great stewardship. Man, we already know what needs to be done, but it's a matter of us doing it. Some of you need to be good stewards over some relationships you've got. I mean, that's all jacked up right now. You already know what you need to do. Now it's time for you to just do it. Just put the little switch sign on you and go. Just, you, you, can't, you can't bring yourself to say the word. Just put a Nike shirt on and wear it with you and just that point that I just, I just came to do it. I need some encouragement to help. I ain't here to talk about it no more. I done prayed about it enough. It's time for me to. And that's what God is saying to us today. A lot of you see problems. You know problems. You got problems. And you don't talk about them long enough. You can write a book on them. But it's now it's time to do something that you don't wrote in your. Amen. Amen. So again, you got the thing. Love the Lord with all my heart. My soul, my strength, and my, all of you. And once you love God in all of those dimensions in your, in your whole being, then now you got to love your neighbor just like you love yourself. You ain't cussing you out every day. Don't cuss your neighbor out. You ain't talking about you when you look in the mirror in the morning and say how bad you look. Then when you see somebody, don't say how bad they. 
If you ain't slapping you in the morning, except you putting on your cologne or whatever, but if you ain't abusing you, don't abuse your children. And definitely don't abuse their mama. Now abuse go both ways. There used to be a time I said that it'll be clearly I'm talking to a man. But as I got older, I found out that there are some sisters out there that can, can, yes, that can issue out some pain too. So, 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 whoever you're in a relationship with, don't abuse them if you don't want to be abused. And so that little ending there ties to another thing that Jesus has said that go right together. You can connect this dot. Do unto as you would have them do unto. Just that you don't need to be a smee in the Bible to remember those two things. They taught us that when I was in the first grade on the Coca-Cola rule. They gave us rules of the Coca-Cola company and on the back of it said the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto Coca-Cola stole that from the Bible. And going around up, I thought that was Coke talking. But that was Jesus talking through Coke. Amen. And so what I'm trying to tell you, as you listen out there, you'll hear a lot of people saying things that come from this Bible, but because you don't know what's in there, you give them credit for something that's already been. Amen. Remember the commandment to love, and then remember your Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I have several appeals that we want to give at this time. You may be with us today, whether you're online or you're in the house. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to extend the opportunity to you today to accept him. God's plan of salvation comes straight through Jesus. If you just believe in your heart and confess him as Lord. And the Bible says you can be saved. Not about your works. It's about what you believe. God had this plan in, in the works before we were even born. And so I just want to extend to you that invitation. If that is you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. If you're online, I just ask that you will send us a, a message, an instant message, give us some information that we can contact you, and we will gladly welcome you into the body of Christ. 